Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 13, Till Death Do Us Part. And for once I'm not gonna point out where this title comes from because duh obvious also for a change the title is the same in german because we do have the same vows <laughs> in this episode lucifer and pierce get married for work dan and charlotte have dinner with mace and chloe gets turned down by pierce at least for now yay so many happy occasions and speaking of happy things Obsession of the week is very clear to me this week and I went with Kane or how to kill Kane. I went with Pierce and his weak spot. I mean Kane and Pierce are the same person, so let's just say that this is a win. <laughs> 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 and, and just let it go. <laughs> I don't have many facts and funs for this one because the few that I did find, I decided to sprinkle throughout the episode. So we only get our three main pillars. Second time director, Sherwin Shilati, the same one who did God Johnson. Ooh. Fourth time writer, Mike Costa. Pops, homewrecker, deceptive little parasite. We love Mike Costa. We love Mike Costa. And of course, the title is set by Lucifer, giving us seven of nine, actually, season three episodes. And that was a not intended Star Trek reference. Because seven of nine, uh -huh. the Borg. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna just nod and smile because I totally know what you're talking about, Lena. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's fine. Previously on Lucifer. Pierce was planning on leaving. Chloe asked him not to. Dan asked Charlotte out. Mace is upset about Linda and Ains. Lucifer finds out Pierce is really Kane and what he desires is to die. And he swears to figure out how to grant him that wish if it's the last thing he'll do. Only missing that we see Trixie being the best wingman ever in the previously on. Oh, yeah. Because dinner would be more romantic. That's implied. I feel we can't say it often enough how amazing Trixie is because she is missing so often from the episodes. That's so even when true. it's just a callback, kind of yeah, has to yeah. be mentioned. Trixie is also the best. Yeah, I agree. You're right. We go into the penthouse and Lucifer is checking off ideas how to kill Cain. All in all, I don't really feel that Lucifer at this point is all that into killing Pierce yet. He enjoys hurting him, but he doesn't really seem to be on mission as much as I would have expected him after the closing dialogue in the last episode. He doesn't seem to be, um, how to put it? Proper creative. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be thinking through what he's doing. Yeah. As in, why would Chainsaw be more effective than a knife in a heart or something? I do have a question which immediately gets nearly word for word asked by Lucifer. If Cain gets eaten by acid or chopped into pieces, how does he come back to life? Can he clone himself by splitting himself into two halves and both then become viable again? Which is essentially what he 
asks if I chop you in half, will there be two of you? This is a very interesting philosophical question and I do want to know more about how it works and it looks like Cain has some theories and I wish Lucifer let him speak. If you are really curious about shit like this, then you have to simply read the Wolverine comics because it's the same with Wolverine, which is yeah. why Lucifer goes Wolverine rules. Which isn't Wolverine Marvel though? Yes. This is interesting because if Wolverine is Marvel and Lucifer is essentially DC. The comics still do exist. Yeah. He made Spider-Man references in the past. Why shouldn't he make a Wolverine reference? But that's Wolverine. The reference that he made is comic book Wolverine, right? Yeah. Not a film Wolverine. He's done film references, not comic book references. So? It's different. That's... eh, Never mind. I just find it interesting. But you're right. I didn't realize that he's been referencing Spider-Man. He tries the demon steel, which was something that I would have think of as a first thing and I was actually surprised that it wasn't working. I expect it to be at least some way effective. When we move to the next scene, we get a first song of the episode called Make It to Morning by Sur. Well, that woman didn't make it to morning. (laughs) That she she did not. (laughs) I was mostly very much confused that nobody covered up the body while people were standing around looking. They were literally standing right next to it. They were comparing manicures with her pedicure. It was super weird. Also, it felt very weird to me that there were no unlockers having like a smartphone trying to take a picture or a video because this is what you usually expect when you have a crowd looking at a crime Mm. scene and then you have to cover the crime scene and keep all of them further away. So the whole setup of this crime scene felt very untypical. It was weird. Yeah, I agree. The only big thing that I noticed at this stage, besides the fact that they are literally standing right next to the dead body, which doesn't make any fucking sense, is that as we usually get in suburban types of episodes in crime shows, everybody just says, oh, everybody loved her. She was so amazing. There was no bad blood. And everybody is lying. So... That was like the first big trope that kind of jumped out at me immediately. And I was like, "Mm, there's going to be more to that. And it got me really excited because I love these types of episodes. I love the fact that Chloe and Dan looked at a house in that neighborhood. And obviously it was good that they didn't move there. Yeah, because they would have, Chloe would have caught her, right? Probably. Yeah. Well, maybe it would be good for her because then the girl wouldn't be dead. She would just be in prison. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Priorities! So we move back to the penthouse. I really enjoyed the fact that Maze has a whole arsenal of weapons somewhere locked away in a basement. That their condo has a basement is another fun bit (laughs) that kind of brings that into attention. I mostly love about her weapons that all these weapons have exactly one purpose, which is to catch the creature or person because the killing is always done with the demon blade. So she has all these different contraptions, but killing is very one note actually for Mace, which is why probably she enjoyed torturing so much because that's where you can get creative. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey for Mace. Wow. (laughs) That's one way to put a pseudo-inspirational quote in 
correlation with Maze, the torturer of hell. Nice. We should make a poster like this with her and her torture instruments in the form of a motivational poster. Mm. Kai, do you hear this? Idea for artwork. Kai, if you hear this, please make this. But mostly in the scene, as I understood Lucifer, he wants to find a Chloe for Pierce, basically. Someone or something that makes Pierce vulnerable. And this is something that amazes actually the person who brings this up, that God is all about mind mind games and loopholes. So there is a very good chance that this will actually work if they find the right combination of circumstances. Which is why I still insist that Chloe is the answer, that Lucifer was meant to stop Pierce from doing whatever with Chloe to get himself killed, and we're just missing the additional ingredient. That was a wild debate last time, and I do not want to get back into it. I feel uh, confirmed in my theory with this. Yep, I do not. (laughs) Also in the scene, we get the only reference to the utterly horrifying and annoying love triangle. And Mace needs to brainstorm a problem of her own. Ah. I'm very thankful that this episode is otherwise completely free of Amenadiel or Linda drama. Yep, I absolutely agree with that. And my favorite moment of this entire scene is when Lucifer says that he needs to get inside Pierce's head and Mace turns around with with a cranial saw and the look on her face, it's like, I have just the thing for you. And Lucifer just says, no, not with a cranial saw. Not yet. So just the look on Mace's face is absolutely brilliant because the excitement in her eyes and the little smile is perfection. We go on to the next scene where Lucifer decides to play psychoanalyst. There is one song playing throughout this that's called Won't Knock on My Door and it's by Trevor Manier. Two fun facts courtesy of IMDb and I didn't know the first one and the second one was so obvious. The first one is the glasses that Tom Ellis is wearing are his own. Oh, interesting. So that's the fun part that I didn't know. And the second tidbit is obviously that Lucifer using the word kryptonite is a reference to Superman. And if there is anything that didn't notice, Tom Welling played Clark Kent in Smallville. We've talked about this on the podcast before. So obvious references. Very obvious. Nice. I did not connect it actually in my head. I was just going to say, oh, look, it's DC thing. Uh, (laughs) that's why we let me be our resident comic person yeah that's absolutely right because i have not read enough comic books in my life nowhere near enough but aside from these fun facts and information in this scene for me the best part of this entire scene is the mental image that i have that lucifer rearranged the entire office of pierce Nobody at the precinct stopped him because no one knew 
Pierce was actually staying because he didn't tell anyone. Oh, that's good. And that's my headcanon and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, my headcanon is that he literally rearranged the furniture so it matches Linda's office identically as much as he could. As much as possible, yep. I don't really understand why he turned the table around, but I'm sure that there would be an explanation if we directly compare Linda's office and what Lucifer did, which I would like to see. Freeze rape time. But the entire interaction between Lucifer and Kane is absolutely brilliant. It's so funny. It's really well done. It's really well acted. The part I didn't like in the scene, obviously, is that Chloe is super hype about Pierce staying. <sighs> it's getting really on my nerves the way she's so into him. And I still into him. I still stand firm on my position that there is no reason for this. They have not given us any interaction that would explain or... I got, I don't want to say justify, but... He saved her life and ever since she's been all over him. So I feel like it is in her primer setting, which I hate. It's a trope that it's, is done over and over and I hate it. And we complained about this in the past already, so... That is very possible. I do not remember, but... Who remembers what we talked about last week, right? <laughs> Not you me. record a podcast and then you forget everything you ever said. Yeah, that's the rule. That's how it works. But me being an slightly annoyed with Chloe doesn't change the awe I'm in every single time Lucifer is trying to get to know Pierce. It's just so cute. And also the prospect of a Pierce-Lucifer team-up sounds very, very hilarious. So mm -hmm. I'm here for it. And then we get the title card. Whee! And in good Lucifer fashion that they have been playing quite loose with, we stay in the precinct. We learn a wonderful thing about Daniel, which is that he knows K-pop, which leads me to believe that Trixie listens to K-pop. And that's the only reason why Dan would know what K-pop is. I mean, how did you find out what K-pop was? Because I was super into J-pop and J-rock. And so those two okay. are very close. I did not know what that is. So... It's the same as K-pop, but from Japan, not from oh, Korea. Oh, yeah. That's what I figured. Cool. Makes sense. The only reason I know what K-pop is, is that somebody in the podcasting world, whose podcast I listen to, knows of K-pop because their partner listens to K-pop. Something like that. And suddenly everybody started talking about it. And like it's only been like a year since I found out what it is. So... Props to Dan from me for knowing what it is. And since I doubt that he listens to it himself, my obvious solution to the question, why does he know it, is Trixie is a K-pop fan. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. We go over to the DA's office. I hadn't realized that Charlotte and human Charlotte and Mace hadn't met yet. Yeah, right? So that for me was very surprising and I really enjoyed this mm. because I didn't see it coming and their interaction was so fun because it was so awkward. I do feel for Charlotte because of so frustrated Maze looking for an outlet and then deciding you're my outlet must be very intimidating. Especially when you don't remember a good span of your life in during which apparently you made her as your mortal enemy. Yeah, I loved Maze in this scene. It was 
oh, but also it gives you an interesting extra point on uh, Mace herself because she smells fear or that like, she smells something. She can smell a human and like a, some shift in a, a human's emotion or something like that from afar. So, But it gets explained at the end of the episode that she smelled hell. She smelled the desperation. Yeah, but the, the parts that are of hell the desperation and everything. So I didn't understand it that Mace can smell emotions in general, but she smelled hell. She, she smelled home. And part of that smell is desperation. Yes, but that's just so like... She, okay, maybe not all emotions, but maybe she smells some emotions. For me, it was completely uh, connected to hell and not to emotion. But we're not gonna go on to another Mace and emotion tangent because we have done that repeatedly in the past and they never go anywhere. Oh, I wasn't gonna. I didn't know that. That's why I said we're not going on one. Yeah, <laughs> we are not. Yeah, that is very true. Now, uh, this scene, regardless of its awesomeness, is very short. We move over to Lux where we get yet another song. There's a lot of songs in this episode. That is called Sleep Talker. And it's by Beasts With No Name. Somehow the band rings a bell. Did we have them before? Uh, I don't think we have. I didn't look into it because it didn't ring a bell for me. Okay. I think there was something called similarly. But I can check for you. No, it's okay. You, you are the music person. So if it didn't ring a bell for you, that's good enough for me. I very much enjoyed that Lucifer has the barkeeper and he is the dealer. Because why not? It's yeah. so very Lucifer. And very he good. doesn't see anything wrong with it. And Chloe is just, she's looking at him with just this, why am I even surprised, basically? This moment feels very similarly to me as the previous scene, the last time we saw them together, felt as in, he's like, oh, everything's fine. I'm just, you know, like, this is what I do and this is fine. And Chloe being like, but it's wrong. Just listen to yourself it's wrong like this is not what you do a little bit lighter perception for me there but still fun chloe of course does the one thing that you're not supposed to do which is lucifer you can't do xyz and then instantly in the next scene lucifer does pretty much exactly that only he doesn't do it in english he does it in korean she says it's not like you're gonna go over there and say hello drug dealers or something like that and literally word for word that's what he does and we get this beautiful fight scene to k-pop music exactly we haven't had a choreography like this for a while when you mentioned that the director is the same one who did God Johnson. This very much reminds me of the slow-mo scene where Lucifer and God Johnson walking in the slow-mo through the room. And this, the way it's shot, it just has a very similar energy. We are listening to, as you said, a K-pop song called Lucifer. And it is by Shin Yi, which I hope I am pronouncing correctly. No idea. Only learned Japanese for two years, no Korean. If not i'm very very sorry that i'm not pronouncing it right do let me know if it's attrations and horrible please because i'd love to learn <laughs> and so he keeps on fighting during the entire scene and we see all these karaoke booths people singing different songs and everything so it was a really good scene i enjoyed this scene very very much definitely one of the best in this episode then it goes and just makes it this much better because it gives us one of the best transitions in my opinion that we have had in the show so far with the 
face of the leader, which is just so well done. Yep, it's very, 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 very cute. I was trying to figure out what the fuck could Lucifer promise him or do to him same in order for him to be so cooperative i was wondering if he maybe had drugged him or something he looked like he could have yeah with all that happiness the resolution is actually one i found brilliant yeah it's very very smart highly illegal but completely brilliant well means to an end means to an end yeah sometimes it is the destination and not how you get there (laughs) (laughs) had to do the callback yeah. I don't have any other notes for the interrogation, so... The only thing that I was wondering is that what if the formula that they found on the laptop is not the correct formula for the thing that the guy wanted? But because they didn't really proceed that avenue after that, we can probably assume it was. But it would be fun if it would be something else, wouldn't it? If Lucifer phrased it correctly and he said that he would get him the formula from the laptop, then it doesn't matter if it's the right or wrong formula. Well, yeah, yeah. We stay in the precinct and Chloe plugs in this external hard drive and it doesn't connect. And obviously this leads Lucifer to smash it. Which is, like, this is the shittiest hiding place I have ever seen. What? Yeah. I would have never looked inside a non-connecting external drive. Yes, definitely. Because even if you thought it was a hard drive, you would give the case to tech to see if they can salvage at least some data from it, and then they would have opened it. Well, yeah, but like, who would have done that to her hard drive? People who want the data on the hard drive, which is the formula. But the data wasn't on the hard drive, it was in her laptop. Looking for more amazing chemist information. This is a bad hiding place. Girl is chemist smart, not uh, crime smart. You can see that your IT because I would never thought of that. Now, the best part of this scene we seem to be avoiding as much as we can is that we finally get the couple that's gonna get plucked into the new neighborhood. And they don't tell exactly who it was in this scene. But it was very obvious because nobody else was left. Well, not from the people that we know, yeah. Also, we didn't mention that Lucifer consumed part of the evidence. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I enjoyed that very much. I loved him. Because apparently he hasn't taken k-pop yet when chloe was near so stronger impact i don't think he took k-pop though right they thought it was k-pop but then oh no it's just adderall yeah nice true now revelation of a century for me came in the next scene the entirety of the undercover setup is why i really really love this episode and it feels for some reason as if it starts later in the episode than it does because it actually starts about halfway through the episode but it still felt like I knew this was coming because I had seen this episode before and I was just waiting for it because I love this part so so much same and then he opens the door and what the fuck is he wearing isn't it amazing it's so horrible I love it He looks great. He looks like such a cliche. And also, did he comp his hair different? Yes, pretty sure he did, yeah. And then Pierce joins him with the -the over-the-shoulder yuppie style. I hate it. Like, seriously, don't wear your jackets that way. Or your pullover or your whatever. Just don't, don't. We used to wear it over one shoulder. Yeah, that's cool. But not the yuppie way Pierce is wearing it. Also, it looks like it's way too small for his wide shoulders. So it looks really bad. (laughs) 
So I have to say, Lucifer makes, obviously, a much more convincing gay pretty neighbor than Pierce does. Very happy that Lucifer is so at home in this role. Yep. And also, I love the entire, the neighbors bidding them welcome and like already, oh, and they're gonna get invited. I love it. More tropes. More classic storytelling and all the kinds I like. This scene, Lucifer calls Cain Mark so many times that my brain exploded because I realized his cover name is Marcus Pierce. Marcus as Mark. Mark as in Cain. Mark of Cain. Yes. I did not realize that up until now. And Lucifer's cover name is Luke, which means the bright one or light. So yeah. both Both their names are extremely on the nose and to just put another layer on it, there is a gospel of Mark and there is a gospel of Luke. So both are biblical names. Both are apostles. I'm slightly bitter that you didn't give me a single reaction to my revelation. Because Mark being from Mark of Cain is very obvious. They are perfect undercover name. But it's not just his undercover name, it's his normal name as well, is my point. Because Marcus and Mark is the same for you. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. This whole scene was absolutely stunning. It just made me super happy. If we're already at the two cover names, when they are in the kitchen and Lucifer is getting the lasagna out of the oven, I'm pretty mm. sure it is a lasagna, we see he is wearing a cooking apron, a blue mm-hmm. cooking apron that has Kiss the Cook written on it. He has been wearing the same apron in Pops and we see Mays wearing a white matching version of this in Deceptive Little Parasite. So probably Lucifer stole this apron from Chloe because he wears it in her house when he's making the Pops with the dinner, the vegan chef. Well, I know what you're talking about, but but like why does it mean that he stole it from Chloe? Because he probably didn't bring the apron to her place, but rather used one that was there and then simply kept it and So you're saying that Mace stole the matching one? Mace is living together with Chloe. So is it Mace's apron or is it Chloe? Does Chloe have two aprons? Yeah, two of the same kind, one in blue, one in white. So essentially Mace stole Dan's apron. Maybe. Interesting. Or maybe the white one is Chloe's and the blue one was Dad's. That I don't know. That is reaching. But I'm pretty sure the apron is from Chloe. And also given the fact that Pops, Deceptive Little Parasite and this episode were all written by the same person, I'm very sure this is absolutely deliberate. I would go there my mind would rather go to Lucifer owns this apron and it is his apron and Mace owns a similar apron and therefore it is not Dunn and Chloe matching aprons but Lucifer and Mace matching aprons which is in my brain much more fun but <laughs> extremely unlikely so I'm gonna go with my Why? head canon that the formerly oh, no, married I'm not couple trying to had, yours. Mitch had matching aprons I'm not trying to describe you I'm just saying that this this is more fun in my head so I'm I'm gonna stick with that one just for the fun of it sure we go to a storyline I really appreciated in this episode with the romantic dinner and Charlotte and Dan it's super sweet and I'm very happy that the relationship with Charlotte and Dan is something that the show is apparently wanting to create and evolve so That made me very happy that we have a follow-up of the whole, can we go to dinner? Though Dan is such an innocent young boy in his 
sexual brain because he is getting way too flustered at the mere idea of having a threesome. I mean, having a threesome with Charlotte and Maze, I can imagine it to be a little scary. He didn't seem scared, he seemed flustered. So he obviously... He wasn't opposed to it, though. Yeah, but very, very overreacting to it, I want to say. So my boy Dan needs to go out more, have some fun. Fair. Yeah, I don't really have any notes on this scene. It was entertaining, but then again, nothing really happened. Not here yet, yeah. They drag it out a bit, so we have scenes to intercut. Date nights. Yeah. Parallel date nights. And we go back to the undercover situation. Here, the husband is so nervous during the conversation. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. You see him fidgeting with his glass a lot. Mm. When they talk about like the person that got killed and yaddy yaddy and then the, the wife starts talking about the notes that someone is writing which obviously is her husband and so you see him tensing up and being nervous and so for me this was very obvious that he has a secret but it was too obvious that he could be the killer because they would not present it in such an obvious fashion if he was the actual killer but I really have to say I did not see it coming that she was it. I didn't see any of that. My attention was solely pointed at Lucifer and Kane at this stage so I completely ignored everything else that was happening in that scene except for the description like Martha Stewart and the Terminator had a baby. Yes the description of the night watcher type it was absolutely brilliant and it made me laugh out loud and ugh. yep. and then Pierce wants to finish off the entire night before they even start eating. How dare he? The plates do stay clean the entire scene so <laughs> there was no food consumed I'm pretty sure. Yep. We go back to the romantic dinner. I had a difficult time for the first time reading the intentions and wants of Charlotte. For me it was not clear if she was overwhelmed with the situation but into the situation if she was opposed to it but struggling to say no. So I couldn't get a proper read on Charlotte in this scene. I read her as being nervous because she literally talks about wanting to go out with Dan because he is normal and that is what she wants. And then this whole thing gets dumped on her. I feel like she completely freaks out and she is trying to figure out if he is actually as normal as he seemed to be at the beginning and how she feels about the situation herself. Here is when we get the confirmation that Mace is actually smelling hell on her. Even though she literally denies wanting to go back there, I feel like this means that Mace is starting to feel homesick. Because like I said in the last episode, she has not found her new purpose. And I feel like this is actually gonna be a stepping stone of either her finding a purpose or her regressing to, okay, being here is boring or however she would phrase it, and then basically saying, let's go home. Because like we remembered, now that Lucifer has wings, he could just fly her down. It would just be a snap and go back. So it is now an option, contrary to the past. That is true. Hmm. I feel like what she says, she says, turns out I am attracted to my old life, but I'm not sure I want to go back. To me, that was a whole lot of growing for Mace again because she doesn't want to go backwards. 
she wants to work forward. To me, it wasn't as much about specifically hell. It was more about the idea of Mace not wanting to go back to who she used to be or where she used to be, essentially, and that she wants to move forward with her life. I found that being a very beautiful growing moment for Mace from my perspective. We are reading this episode once again extremely different from each other. Because to yeah. me, basically going close your eyes for uh, towards your past is not growth. I don't know. No, I don't think that she's closing her eyes. Like I'm just saying like she doesn't want to go backwards, which I said like four times already. Yeah, so I know. I know. But I'm going like to stop I... repeating the same sentence over and over again. We keep repeating ourselves because we both have very, very different reads on this entire episode and apparently nearly every scene. Seems like it. I don't think it necessarily is different from what you said, though. So you say she is growing and doesn't want to go back. And I say I see the whole the potential for homesickness, which is kind of the opposing thing. No, I can be homesick and don't want to go back. Like I can miss my old life, but not want to go back to it, you know? Yeah, but I made the point that either this can lead to growth or that she wants to go back, which then would not be growth. So, okay, never mind. Yeah. We go back to the undercover scene. Domestic Lucifer is probably my favorite Lucifer so far. Because he's he's so soft as Domestic Lucifer, right? He's adorable, yeah. So then we go to the montage. Yes. And for that, we have a song playing called There Goes the Neighborhood. It's by Body Count. Which is such a shit obvious title. I love this show. It is six minutes long. And it's pretty much just this dude screaming, there goes the neighborhood. And it's pretty brilliant. It was on my shortlist for the devils in the music this episode. Because it's so ridiculous, it's good. I was either expecting this song or the K-pop song, to be honest. K-pop was also shortlisted just for the reason that it's a K-pop and the way it kind of correlates with the episode theme but I don't know nearly enough about K-pop to do that so I have decided to go with something else with all the montage pictures I have to say aside from the loud noises like the metal grinding mm. and the obnoxious super loud partying way into the night he didn't seem as bad a neighbor as I could have pictured him he didn't seem to go all out for me he didn't have a full on orgy in the garden and he didn't well, I don't know kosher slaughter a lamb for the barbecue like, I feel he could have taken it to 11. He could have, but this was enough. And, you know, like, he had a good time. He did what he always does. Personally, I completely forgot that this was actually part of an episode when I always see those pictures and gifts of Tom Ellis in the little American flag speedos, like, spraying the water around. I always assume that it's just some kind of a promo that they done for Lucifer, because then there were the pictures that came out as a promo when they moved to Netflix, and they have a very similar feel to it. So I was just always, oh yeah, this this was a part of a promo material. It was never in an episode. So this scene started and I was just staring at my telly. I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember this. 
I had forgotten the montage as well, but to me, this feels like a confirmation of the... His heart is not yet completely in the mission. Just like with Finding Ways of Killing Kane, where he didn't go to 11, here he didn't go to 11. This is also one of the parts of the fight that now ensues between Kane and Lucifer. Because Kane literally says that he does not feel that Lucifer is taking this seriously. So it felt very fitting to me that he didn't go to 11. I didn't make that connection, but yeah, when, when you put it like that, yeah, it actually makes sense. Anyway, I love that they fight like an old married couple. It's not the first time and it's not the last time and it's beautiful and it's hilarious and I really enjoy it. We go back to the precinct. We have this wonderful sentence that putting an entire body into the wood chipper is not good because you have to saw before you mulch, which I didn't know but it makes complete sense and I will try to remember this for all the gore horror movies I watch in which surprisingly often a wood chipper plays a part and a body gets stuck in it. Gross. Oh, perfect. I mean, on Supernatural, Bobby throws an entire body of a monster in a wood chipper and it works. Different bone density, maybe. No idea. Maybe. But in Probably. Tucker and Dale versus Evil, for example, which is one of the best movies of all times with the youngsters and there is one getting stuck in the wood chipper and it is brilliant. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. So we have more fighting happen here between Lucifer and Pierce while they watch into the interrogation room. Mm -hmm. And Pierce breaks up with him. He gives him the ring back. Yeah, and because I felt, their mission is over. I kind of felt sorry for Lucifer that Pierce just broke up with him. Like, my poor baby. No. But luckily, Chloe walks into the hidden room and it is too early for them to break up because their cover is still intact. Time to hand back the ring, put it on again because title drop till death do us part. And that was he's so well not done. dead yet. Yeah, that was very good. That, that was, was so well done. Very well written and everything. The writing in this episode is so great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Mike Costa. Yeah, he knows his shit. Yep. And it brings us to, to the next scene where we have a song playing with the barbecue and the name is Number One Pop Hit and it's by The Ivory Elephant. Don't look at me like that. I didn't name the song. That's a bad song name. I'm against it. It's a bad song name, but again, it's a very good song and it works really well with the name of the song. It's just so good. I really enjoyed the entire Undercover Party. Yes. And their fighting is so brilliant. And mm -hmm. it just feels Again, that it's they. Written. It just feels like they took it to the next level because we had the married couple fighting in the garage in the previous undercover scene. And this feels even more intimate in their interaction. And I love how they start fighting and people already start staring. People are watching. Well, obviously, because this is the suburbia. So good. And then Lucifer walks out. He just walks out on Pierce and he starts taking off this horrible vest. God, I hate the clothes he's wearing so much. Ah! And Chloe has to save the day with a pep talk. And it's cute and it's beautiful. 
and I wish she meant it. Yeah, because it didn't feel like she meant it. It was just a way to get him back in there, finish the mission, basically. And mm-hmm. he does it go back. It wasn't personal. Yeah. It felt... I feel like if Lucifer didn't have that connection with Pierce or with Kane at this stage... Or with Chloe. He would not go back for Chloe. I feel for Chloe, he does a lot of things, so... Oh, yeah, but like, no, I... To me, the way she presented her pep talk, I feel like he realized that he needs to finish it with Pierce, with Kane, rather, than uh, doing this for Chloe. Well, he also got reminded that he kind of gave his word and he is a devil of his word. Yeah, regardless what Kane says to him. I feel like it. Chloe's heart just was not in it. That yeah. was my biggest issue with this. It that, didn't feel genuine. Yeah. So he goes back and we have this absolutely amazing makeup dialogue between Lucifer and Pierce. The writing again. With you so moved... You moved the... Nachos. I forgot what... Yeah, you moved the nachos so it doesn't drip with... Into the... I don't... I forgot. Into the quesadilla. But, and it's... It's such bullshit, but it's so perfect. And then they move towards each other and everyone is watching the performance. It's so beautiful. In the background, you can see all the guests just staring. Some people have their phones up and are filming this, which is what I expected for the crime scene. But at least now I do get it here. Uh, Dead people are boring. People who are fighting and making making up are much better. And it all ends... With this wonderful kiss that Lucifer is so into, but Pierce isn't. And he is really struggling to give a believable performance because his body language is all over the place. It is. But he doesn't punch him. And it's adorable. And they belong together. Speaking of belonging together, we completely glossed over the fact that the house is full of Like, there are several pictures with the two of them together. And it just makes you wonder, who made them? Like, is it Photoshop or did they pose for it? Is it Photoshop? Did they do a shooting? Did Ella have something to do with this? Because I could just imagine Ella having the time of her life creating images like this. So I'm very much here for it. And also the attention to detail is something that I very, very much appreciate. Absolutely. And so the entire thing completely dissolves and it turns out with Lucifer's amazing skills to get everyone to write the correct phrases. Ah, Lucifer, you're so bad at this. I mean, he's really trying, but it's adorable. (laughs) Honestly, when he starts going around collecting the signatures, I wondered, and yet again, this show... This show, I stopped and thought about Brian, the husband. I wondered, did he keep him in custody? Or is he the only person at the party who knows who they really are? And we he didn't see doesn't him. Know. That's why Chloe says your cover is still intact. Brian they doesn't know him. that Chloe stops him. Chloe arrests him. Yeah, but like... Pierce's and Lucifer's cover is not blown. Yeah, and Lucifer goes, oh, are you here to get your casserole thingy back? The, the I did not realize that. I thought them. that... I, I know what a casserole is. Uh, I did not realize that he doesn't see them at the precinct. I thought that they brought him in together. 
That's why Chloe says your cover is still intact because he doesn't know who they are. No, because he knows what they're trying to do. I assume that he also knows that they are with the police. I didn't realize that he just put two and two together. He's a smarty pant. Yeah. Good for him. I'm like, I have so much more respect for him. It's also really sweet that he is still trying to protect his wife, even though he figured it out that she killed the other lady. So... They have a very Um, fucked up relationship, but they have also a very sweet relationship. I mean, they make great psychopathic couple. Yeah, Sandra is the the teacher. They they deserve each other. That's they that's all I want to do. And not only in the bad way. They were happy together. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the things we do for love. Horrifying. Don't do love. It's worse than drugs. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. No questions about that. Just before we go, one more thing. I love that Lucifer is focusing on the job of killing Cain so much that the first reaction to the hedge trimmers is, oh, what about hedge trimmers? Instead of tried it. the attention to detail in this episode in the writing is incredible and it makes yeah. all the difference. This is why that one is definitely so far one of the top episodes of the season. 100%. So my maybe even the shows at the minute. Mm. For myself. <laughs> top 5? Yeah, that probably. probably. So we go into the penultimate scene at the precinct and my heart was breaking because just like Dan I was expecting Charlotte to say no to him again and he once again shows that he is a much more decent human than anyone deserves because he says that he will give her all the time and space that she needs and is just overall a really great person in this interaction. And I was very, very happy that Charlotte did not say no to him. This moment was absolute treasure. Like, there is so much cuteness in this entire episode. It's overwhelmingly beautiful. And I say that as a person who has no heart. Which we have to mention in the past and you have a heart. It's just cold and dark. Either way, it's beautiful. It just made me very, very happy. This episode also does another thing, which is slap you in the face. You see one nice thing and then you go into another moment in the precinct that I'm pretty sure both of us hated with the same fiery passion. Well, I had a first question. Chloe has friends in the precinct? Yeah. That was a shocking moment for me because I have not seen any evidence of that. You do remember that she had her birthday party at the precinct. <laughs> Everybody shows up for birthdays. No, it felt that felt okay because her hunch got confirmed with the whole Malcolm shit, which was the reason why she got uh, alienated from her colleagues. So I was not surprised that she now has friends at the precinct because where else could she have friends? She, she only doesn't has have work. any friends. She has three friends. She, she has work buddies. Yeah, yeah. She is hanging out at the cop watering hole where Lucifer demanded to be taken in season one. And now she doesn't get the stink eye there anymore. Paddies. Because Yay. why not call it after an Irish saint? So we move over in this horrifying interaction. This is one of the few times where Lucifer does this American TV show and movie thing that I hate. Mm. which is spelling out things that were obvious just to make sure everyone who missed it is with 
us on board. Mm. When Pierce goes, you and I, not a good idea. Or not a not a great idea or something. And it's the, we really have to spell this out. We really have yeah. to verbally acknowledge this. Not a fan. I hate it when they do this. And thankfully, Lucifer as a show does this extremely rarely. Has it ever happened to you in a real life? What? You and I, not a good idea. I haven't done relationships since over 10 years so the whole relationship part is not really relevant for me but yeah but like have you have you never been in a situation when okay maybe you were the one saying listen this is not gonna happen it's not a good idea yeah I've turned down people I'm genuinely thinking about this being a trope slash thing in a real life that I have encountered in many many different shapes and forms so it doesn't feel like a trope to me you know I get that but like I said for me this is the making sure everybody understands that Chloe is into peers and peers might be into Chloe but isn't into relationships and so now all are back on the same page and for me this is also into the not yet area with the I'm not relationship material, which is another phrase for you're gonna have to change me. So yeah, so many fucking bullshit romantic comedies have the oh, mm. I'm a free spirit and blah, whatever, yeah. or I'm a player and whatever. Like there's different reasons why one of the two is not relationship material and then the other person plays a part in changing their perspective on a relationship and then they have a happy ever after. And if you enjoy this type of movie, yay. I also sometimes like to watch these things, but all in all, I am not a fan of that trope. And so the you and I not a good idea with the I'm not relationship material follow-up for me is making clear everybody knows where we are at and setting up the stage for the not yet a good idea. That's fair enough. And so, thus my hate. This moment and the way Chloe is behaving in this scene is a complete contrast to how she was behaving earlier when she talked to him at the beginning of this episode. Because suddenly, for the first time in weeks, it seems, she's not a blubbering idiot when she's having a conversation with him. And she is standing her ground and behaving like a human person. So, weirdly enough, go Chloe. But at the same time, this situation just did not make me happy whatsoever. It was, it was all weird and gross and it was all filled with expectations from the future which I am not interested in seeing. Also I mentioned my repeated theory in this episode and in the last episode and so for me here I get confirmation that Chloe is now properly caring for Kane since she apparently is already at the stage with I want to have a relationship with you. Eh, we had a moment. He still doesn't seem vulnerable though or killable. He was always vulnerable, which makes it so much harder to test when he is actually gonna be killable. That's gonna suck. I mean, for Lucifer, it was super easy. You could just cut his hand and see, yay, now it works. With Kane, it's all or nothing. Kind of shit, right? But yeah. so I am gonna have to adjust my theory that it is about the caring for Chloe, not the Chloe caring for you. Okay, your theory has been adjusted. We move into the final one at the penthouse. There is a song playing. It starts playing at the end of the penultimate scene and it bleeds into the last one and into the end of the episode. It's this 
gospel-like song, version of a gospel, maybe, let's put it that way, called John the Revelator. This version is by Larkin Poe, and if you want to know a little bit more about the song and what it represents, you have to tune into the bonus material and become a believer. I have a very important question. Yes. Because a lot of things happen in the scene, blah, blah, whatever. But for me, the cutest and most important part is when Pierce says, get the chainsaw. And Lucifer, like a child for Christmas, is so happy and he goes off to get the chainsaw. But if Lucifer dismembers Pierce... Yes. How is he going to go to work tomorrow? Yeah, that was actually something that I thought about as well. How long does it take? Because he... Like, he said at the beginning that it took six months for him to completely restore from the volcano. Yeah. Although volcano is much more invasive because I don't think there would be anything really left of him. So maybe depends if he's just going to cut him in half or if he's going to maybe... So you think Lucifer wouldn't go all out with the dismemberment? Maybe. Just so... Maybe it's Friday. Good point. Maybe it's Friday and maybe the weekend is enough time to recover from being dismembered. Yeah. But that was just like in my brain. So is he going to take tomorrow off? then from work like sorry can't come in sorry just growing a pancreas here so that was my main question that's a good question also this show has surprised me in the past so i want to put something out in the universe just mm-hmm. so i've said it and can go back to this and say ah i knew it which is basically in these two scenes in this one and in the previous one Pierce got propositioned two different relationships mm-hmm. and he turned down Chloe but he said yes to Lucifer so I just want to put it out there that maybe the show is gonna surprise me after all and they're not gonna go with the I'm not relationship material yet so they have laid the groundwork to confuse me and thus make me slightly hopeful which is also, for me, the last repeat. This episode's writing is so good. This is what I have been missing in so many other episodes. And it really feels that we're now back on track. Because the last few episodes that related to the season 3 plot were all really well done. And so... I'm here for the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. I had one tiny little issue with this scene and that is that pretty much what Lucifer does at the very beginning is that he describes and puts in words exactly what happened in the previous scene. You're afraid to care about people because you know you're going to lose them. And that is a description of Pierce saying, I am not relationship material because aka, I am afraid that I'm going to end up alone because you're going to die. Spelling out what is meant so everyone can follow. Yep. It was a little bit too obvious for me. So this was too obvious for you, but the one in the previous scene was not. I get No, yeah. We all have different experiences in life and we perceive things differently, which makes this a very fun conversation, honestly. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I had fun the entire two hours that we've been recording so far. So that was a little bit too on the nose for me but absolutely mainly the moment where lucifer is like come on 
we can be friends and you're not gonna lose me because I'm immortal and you know this is great and Kane is like no no um, this is not what I want leave me alone I, I am a loner and I want to be alone and I don't want to attach to anybody and then I was just like come on boys just you know kiss, kiss and, and make, make up, up. exactly <laughs> Hilarious. So they actually nearly do at the end. They just make up. They don't kiss, unfortunately. No more kisses. Although I would ship them. Yeah. So the hall, as you mentioned, fine, go get the chainsaw is just absolutely adorable. It's so cute. And he's so happy. Very happy. Like a boy on Christmas. That's just... So yeah, once again, I have no idea who starts. Me. I didn't write general thoughts this time because I don't really have much to say except this was a wonderful episode i remembered that it was coming up and i was really looking forward to it and i enjoyed it the second time around just as much as i enjoyed it the first time because when you rewatch it there's just even more tiny tidbits that you can pay attention to i really love what they are doing with Charlotte and Dan. I really enjoy the interaction between Lucifer and Pierce. I feel that Tom and Tom have great chemistry with each other now. So give me more. I'm gonna have to send you the interviews. Yes. I appreciate that we got a break from the Amenadiel and Linda drama. I fear we will eventually have to return to that storyline, but thank you for giving me a break from it. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing Maze in her element and I appreciate all the potential pokes and nods and suggestions where things might go because we're doing a podcast because we enjoy thinking of, oh my god, what could this mean? What did they mean by that? And how is this connected? And let's read 17 layers into this 20-second scene. And this episode gave me so much material for that. So, all in all, happy Lena is very happy. Yeah, kind of same. You managed to <laughs> summarize pretty much what I've written down. I did really, really enjoy Kane being more open and not portrayed one-sidedly as a villain. And then I have a whole section about realizing that Katsifer and Cassifer is way too close together. Their interactions, Lucifer and Kane interactions, are absolutely amazing throughout the entire episode. And I actually would say that the fact that Chloe is slightly on the side of this episode worked actually really, really well. And I didn't see that coming because Chloe is the main character next to Lucifer. And in the past, when we didn't have them together as much, it usually was not such a enjoyable episode. And that was not the case this time. And then obviously Charlotte and Dan, absolute best. And Mace, in my eyes, rejecting hell in a sense and moving forward from that was very heartwarming for me. I am struggling trying to think of anything I specifically hated about this episode. There were little bits and pieces that I wasn't over the moon with, but I could not tell you a single thing that made me mad, which is a good thing. And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. 
If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us. Because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.